right, it's that time again. Welcome to Winging It. It is the somewhat whimsical, certainly worrying, of course, decidedly wonky, seldom weighty, endlessly well-intentioned, and wildly woody show about music where one knows what's coming and the other doesn't. I happen to know you know shit. It happens in between both proper to ensure you can spend anywhere from 15 to 180 minutes with us every week. Us is Christina Baldwin and Professor P. Soup. I call him David. That's that's just what's going to happen, so fucking deal with it. So, now, before we get started, how are you, David? It's a big day for us. It is a big day. We've done our anniversary shows already. For sure. Winging embers of a feather, but in truth, this is, in fact, February 14th. This is the anniversary of the year that the show actually aired. That's right. And... Um, our very first episode, I know it sucked. Sorry, 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 don't say hey. it. I mean, they got better, they got better. Oh, my fucking God. <laughs> kidding, kidding, kidding. <laughs> um, and uh, we were in Hollywood at a show and uh, just feeling good. And, uh, well, of course, we're not going anywhere this year. But we managed to have a lot of fun anyway in our locality here. And here we are trying to relax in both studios and our, our PJs and stuff, too, you know. <laughs> because, you know, it's kind of a laid-back show. And uh, So, yeah, we'll see. And uh, so laid-back, we don't even, half of us doesn't even know what's going to happen on the show until the last second. That's but, exactly true. And well, it's always me, to be honest, because I'm really good at not knowing what's coming and, and just <laughs> flying by the seat of my pants. And uh, so that's why we call the show Winging It. True that. And speaking of pants, your pants are really cute. You've got this like, this like kind of plaid thing going on. And mine say love in red and white, which I think is perfect for today because it is Valentine's Day. Right, they're predominantly black, as words, you know, it's kind of a kind of a goth PJ party. Well, sure. But um, uh, yeah, I have this adorable plaid thing, and she's got love things all over and stuff. And That's we're right. uh, we're trying to just uh, you know relax, and it's really cool. Is since I live in both studios, when Christina <laughs> goes home, I don't have to change before I go to bed. Uh, that's uh, so that's I've got that going for me. You, you do. Know? You have that and so much more. I mean, you know, that's when you know you're holding all the cards. Okay, when, when all the cards. Life is dealt you the best hand when that's your situation. That's true. Exactly. Except for, of course, I don't know what's coming on the show. But then that's actually uh, an ace in the hole too because I, I can't fuck up if I don't know what's coming so well anything is fun for you I think the unknown oh, is fun yeah, and you yeah. like being hit with like a what the fuck and uh, so well here it is February 14th and I think that it's important that you know of course that I thought about that and I thought well what should we talk about today so something around music and something around love well it seems very fitting so this is the moment that you've been waiting for and I've been waiting for today we will be talking about fascinating stories from Stevie Nicks's love life <laughs> and it's quite a little tangled web she weaves <laughs> there with her love story her wow. love life rather so a little bit about the first thing. So, Nixon Buckingham met when she interrupted his performance at a high school party. Did you hear that? No, I did not know. That's a sort of a nice to tweet you thing. Yeah, that's this is just a little teeny bit of it, yes, but it, it is a feature situation. Maybe we could expound upon that in a future. Yeah, you never know. I mean, uh, who knows? Probably pretty soon even. Probably. You know, maybe by next week. Uh, <laughs> but yes, it's one of those things. And I did not know that. Actually, being one of those people who avoids all this angsty, gossipy, personal stuff that people... Even when they're trying to cram it down your throat, nobody can avoid knowing that Fleetwood Mac, and I think we've talked about this on an earlier episode, is 
two couples, and uh, Mick Fleetwood is aloof from all of you guys. You guys break each other's hearts and shit. I'm just going to play drums, okay? <laughs> so uh, I know a little bit about Nuckingham and Bix, uh, <laughs> Buckingham and Nix, and that they were a solo act together. How they met and then what the deal is between them, I really don't know, or, or anything about her life, except that she's one hell of a songwriter. That we know, but uh, go ahead, tell sure. us. Very interesting. So they met at a high school party, as I mentioned, when she brazenly burst into harmony with him. Whoa. While he jammed to the Mamas and the Papas California Dream. And well, how could you fucking resist that? No, no. I'm sorry. If you're a singer, somebody's singing just, that, I'm going to do it. You just got to jump in on that one. Uh, the two went their separate ways, but were reunited two years later when Buckingham was looking for a new female vocalist for his band, Fritz. Oh. So they reconnected in 1968 at San Jose State University, where Buckingham was well into his first year, and Nix was studying speech therapy. Imagine wow. that. Stevie Nicks as a speech therapist instead of a, you know, whatever, white witch, singery person, gypsy-ish sort of thing. <laughs> she, she probably used white witchcraft in the speech therapy. That was probably her, her, oh, that's probably, probably her secret. That was yeah. it. That's how she got, got them to speak so well. So, years later, during a television interview, Nick spoke fondly of her relationship with Buckingham. I loved him before he was a millionaire. We were two kids out of Menlo Atherton High School. I loved him for all the right reasons. We did have a great relationship at first. Oh, so, next thing is Buckingham wrote Go Your Own Way about Nick's. So, everyone probably knows that, but we're going to dive a little bit deeper because it's interesting. I think it's always interesting to find out how people met and the fact that that's how they first met. I mean, she pretty much, imagine if she just came to the party and she didn't sing, nothing would have happened. Right, right. I mean, so it was just perfect. So, around New Year's Eve, 1974, Mick Fleetwood asked Lindsey Buckingham to join Fleetwood Mac as their new guitarist. Desperate for a qualified musician who would actually stick around, Fleetwood didn't put up much of a fight when Buckingham insisted that he and his girlfriend, Stevie Nicks, were a package deal. You know, and if that did not happen, if those two had not met and that not happened, Fleetwood Mac would have remained a cult favorite blues band, and that's about it. Agreed. You know? They may not have been the superstardom yeah. level they are now, I mean, but they, they wrote still the Green Man Alishi. Come on now. Well, uh, and I honestly, for years, thought that was a Judas Priest original. But that's one hell of a, a song. But that was before Buckingham and Nick's, so I should probably stop talking about that now. <laughs> <laughs> well, it was relevant because I was talking about them used to be this uh, bluesy band, not this gigantic, you know, pop rock sensation. Oh, yeah. You know? I mean, absolutely. Yeah. That everybody, when you say it, everybody knows who I mean, they are. the biggest album is one of the biggest selling albums of all time, you know. Rumors. So, yeah. Absolutely. As the band began writing and recording, Nix and Buckingham were separating from their long relationship together. Buckingham originally wrote Go Your Own Way as an expression of his anger toward Nix, which everyone probably knows. But the first time Fleetwood Mac producer Ken Calliat heard Buckingham sing it, he recalls a guitar strumming his acoustic instrument with great force and screaming his lungs out. Wow. He says it was so non-musical <laughs> that he had doubts about its potential. So, however, the song would go on, obviously, to become the first single off the 1979 album Rumors and was later ranked number 120 on Rolling Stone's list of the 500 greatest songs of all time. Yeah, I'm sure everybody listening to the show knows that song. If there's one tribal aborigine out there who has not, right. just go to you know your medicine man and get his internet and listen to the song. I mean, it is it's a masterpiece. It really is. Absolutely. Well, I think... What happened between Nix and, obviously, you know, Lindsay, I think that is the problem that everybody has with people dating and being in a band, mm -hmm. is what if you break up? 
and obviously, you know, they both have gone on to say how horrible it was to be on stage together. Wow. And how difficult it was and how angry they were and how hurt they were. And they had to be there singing to each other, singing with each other and, you know, act like they were cool. Now, that I didn't know. I know it was difficult in the band interpersonally, but I didn't think it would translate to the stage because usually people who don't like each other and don't talk to each other, that kind of goes away when the music starts and then they hate each other as soon as the, uh, as soon as the uh, last encore is over. But I did not know that about them. So here's a little bit that I wasn't going to share this bit, but Nix was hurt by Buckingham's anger, especially the lyric, packing up, shacking up is all you want to do. Oh. She suggests Buckingham knew it wasn't true. It was just an angry thing that he said and recalls how hard it was to sing the backing vocals live. Wow. So, I mean, if you feel like somebody is telling a lie about you. Yeah. Or you feel like somebody is is exaggerating. You know, you already know that the song is about you, but that's got to be hard to sing along with something you know is not true. Yeah, that might be one you would think, uh, for the sake and for the greater good, they might just kind of drop that from the set list, you know. <laughs> but it's a huge song for them. Yeah, I know. You know? But bands eventually, maybe not back in the day, because they weren't together for 100,000 years like some of these other bands, but there are bands that have completely dropped their signature songs from the set list, because they played them for 100 years, and, and, they're just don't, and they don't even think the audience wants to hear them anymore. Like, the Who doesn't do My Generation anymore? That's no, not a problem. They do, I, I know, not for you, but <laughs> they do an acoustic version of Won't Get fooled again i mean you know i mean it's just yeah not the same just pete and roger i mean you know so they might do that too i mean zeppelin stopped doing days and confused i mean uh so you figure they might have ditched that one but no no be pissed off on stage and sing it which which if you're in like you know slipknot or something like that might be helpful perfect but if you're in might have come to blows (laughs) that particular man that kind of anger fits that you know but i mean if you're in um, fleetwood mac i don't know but they they made it work because they sound fantastic live you know absolutely do you get that like not only when you hear the lyrics but do you hear how they sing and everything are you feeling the anger i totally have always felt before even knew this song no because um a lot of people just make stuff up and it has nothing to do with their life and they sing it with total conviction anyway well that's that's something you do yeah well i didn't want to name names but that's something i do (laughs) which is so crazy because you write all these super romantic sweet sticky songs and you're like yeah it's not about me yeah no i I write a lot of you know it's like like shakespeare never i don't want to compare myself with shakespeare mind you i'm I'm the lyrical da vinci not the lyrical shakespeare you know lyrical da vinci yeah because da vinci didn't write great lyrics you know so (laughs) that's kind of like my little in joke there (laughs) but um yeah i mean shakespeare did not do he talks about being in certain fields and countries and and doing and occupying certain positions, which he never did. He never did any of that shit. But he totally <laughs> makes you believe it through uh, you know, his uh, flowery language and everything. And it's the same thing with me. I just make stuff up. And wow, man, I really feel you on that one. It's like, oh, okay. It's the fictional character that sings the song thing appreciates that. You know? That's true. Yeah. Well, it's interesting because at first, when I first hear a song, I don't really want to know what it's about. I want to kind of, you know, derive my own meaning. But then I did really enjoy knowing what this was about and that it was a, between the two of them I went oh that explains you know the mm, yeah. you know, when they sing it and and you know and then it became more gut-wrenching it was already a tough song like I'm like Ooh, if I could yeah. I would baby I would give you my world how I can know, I when how? you won't take it from me you just want to shack up you yeah. don't want to take I'm, give, I'm ready to give you everything I'm ready to commit you just want to shack up that's right you bitch yeah that's pretty <laughs> fucked up you know? it is pretty fucked up 
Well, Nick's wrote dreams about Buckingham. I don't know if you knew that. Never crossed my mind. At the end of 1975, Fleetwood Mac's self-titled album had gone gold, and the band was officially on the road to becoming rock stars. By early 1976, they were working on rumors, and Nick's and Buckingham were on the outs, which made it all the more difficult for Buckingham when he took it upon himself to turn dreams into the hit it is today. So Nix and Buckingham attempted to keep their personal feelings in one corner of the room while trying to be professional in the other, according to the guitarist. Ultimately, however, those feelings came out and dreams as a reflection of their gradual separation. And, and for those of you who aren't familiar with the band, remember, there's another ex-couple in the band, too. Yes. Christine McVie and John McVie, yes. uh, keyboard vocalist and bass player John McVie, they're exes, too. And I don't know when that happened or how or why, but we got all these couples busted up. Like I said, Mick Fleetwood on the drums he's alone out there you guys do whatever you want you know <laughs> um just so you know i think this is very interesting she also says that dreams was in response to go your own way the song he'd written about her however dreams was meant to be open and hopeful Nix further explains in the line when the rain washes you clean is her way of saying she wanted buckingham to be happy nice so i thought that was really cool i love these little stories and i know you don't normally hear them but i thought these were very interesting about their songs and how her love life is weaved all through them because again it is Valentine's Day yeah and it's a lot easier I only want to hear these things well if at all when they're telling you I mean when it's you know okay when they do interviews and they talk about stuff because they don't have to right you know I I don't like gossip I don't like you know guesswork I don't like rumors except the album of course Uh, I like rumors (laughs) the album okay (laughs) but if they're going to say yeah this is how it was of course we're getting competing stories but at least they're coming from the band and not some jerk-off know-it-all uh, troll on the internet. So, yeah, it is interesting, especially when it pertains to songs that I never really uh, thought had an emotional component to them. I just thought oh, they were yeah. great emotional songs. I didn't think they were personal to the band because I'm always making stuff up. And I know other people write about stuff that didn't happen to them either. Well, I mean, yeah, I you write know. about a lot of stuff that doesn't happen to me. Domestic violence, I've never had that happen to me, but I've seen yeah, people. Yeah. Suicide, I've never had yeah. it happen, but never gone to war. You know, Bruce has never gone to war, but we write about stuff that we see and experience or that we imagine other people feel, even though we don't. So, yes. So this is the thing. Like me, that, I, I write uh, heartbreak songs, and I've never been dumped in my life. No, of course not. No, not you. Why would you? That doesn't no, no. make any sense. Nobody would believe that. <laughs> that you'd been dumped? No, no that's no, true. No. So I think this is interesting. You weren't aware of this, but this will kind of shine more light on it again. Nix's affair with Fleetwood. Wait, 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 wait. I'm sorry. Mick Fleetwood uh-huh. had an affair with anybody in Fleetwood Mac. Stevie, Stevie Nicks. Nicks. Oh, I had no idea. As Sandra Bullock said in Miss Congeniality, I had no idea. I had no idea. Um, it was the result of Brandy and Coke. And let me tell you more about it. Oh, well, yeah, there's that. <laughs> <laughs> okay. The Nicks, 70s, you yes. know. Yeah, you know. Exactly. Nick says she kept a gram in her shoe wherever she went. But because taking it would elevate her anxiety, she would then chase it with brandy. She believes that the effects of the combination led her to her affair with bandmate Mick Fleetwood. Remarking that Coke turns people into nutcases, Nick's claims she and Fleetwood would not have never had an affair had they not been at a party all night, completely drunk and messed up, and ended up being the last two people at the party. Oh, so it was one, it was a one-off. 
I mean, still, it was a one and done. Yeah, no, it's still. I mean, they still significant. They still you know? did it. Oh, okay. I thought Fleetwood was totally aloof from all the band stuff, but apparently not. No, and here's uh, here's what Fleetwood wrote in his memoir, "Play On." He said that he and Nix could have ended up together. Nix believes a couple's tumultuous beginnings meant the relationship was doomed, and that the affair was not a good thing. In short, it caused a lot of pain for everybody and led to nothing. Gee. So, yeah. So, there's, again, there's that little round robin situation happening. Um, so, very, very interesting. So, just an aside, not going to go into it, but Nixon Fleetwood used to sneak off on long drives through the Hollywood Hills, which is interesting, I think. So, they were buds. I like that. They were buds, yeah. yeah. You know, that had a moment. And, yeah. uh, but they were still buds. I don't know if Happens they Happens to me all the time. <laughs> kidding, kidding. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you know. Hey, you know. That's, Actually, never happened to me. Uh, Fleetwood left Nix for her friend, Sarah Ricor, and both relationships dissolved. So that's interesting. Oh, wow. Her friend, huh? Yeah. yeah so, exactly. And Don Henley flew Nix to Atlanta during the Hotel California tour. Isn't that interesting? Don Henley's always coming. He was like, he was... <laughs> he was freaking hot. <laughs> yeah, the, the drugs, the 16-year-old hooker with the seizures. I hey, mean, the Don Henley's got the stories He's got a lot him. going on. He's Mr. 70s, you know. Well, Mr. 70s, 80s. <laughs> it's so true. Nix describes a slew of great, totally romantic relationships, including her time with Don Henley. She recalls once during the Hotel California tour when Henley flew her in a cranberry-colored jet to the Omni in Atlanta to watch the show. Nick says her romantic escapades have been so amazing that she would be okay with never dating again. Wow. Including her time with Henley, Nix's memories are so full of incredibly beautiful, sensual, fantastic experiences that she's content with her full single life. Damn. She's like the Sybil Shepherd of the music world, basically. It's <laughs> <you know? laughs> so true. Um, so we've got a little bit more about Don Henley, a little more on that, because apparently it was a little more than we thought. No. Nix wrote Sarah about her and Don Henley's unborn baby. That I had heard recently. See, I did not yeah, know that. Yeah, that I heard, yeah. So Nix and the Eagles founder Don Henley pursued a relationship in the late 70s, as we know. So Sarah, Sarah off Fleetwood Mac's 1979 album Tusk, is partially about the couple's unborn child, as Nix explained. Had I married Don and had that baby, and had she been a girl, I would have named her Sarah. Wow. So that's, it's crazy. All these songs, the super deep meanings of all yeah. these songs, you know. Oh, we're going to listen to them again. No. <laughs> know, right? We're like, just a minute, we're going to go listen and just cry. Do you have a lot of yeah, tissues? Yeah, now they're going to bum me out. No, those oh, are great songs. God. <laughs> oh, my God. So there's a couple more little stories, but I want to just uh, share this. This was interesting. There's a couple little interesting tidbits, and then we're going to end this little section. But Nix regrets the three months she was married to her best friend's widower, Kim Anderson. It's just a little tangled web. This is a very strange thing. Um, not about the music, but very interesting. This is just her love like. It's, um, it's a good thing she's content with her single life, because I don't think anyone wants to take a chance on her I don't anymore. think so either. I think it's probably best to just <laughs> yeah. let her be. And Nick's she's film. just saving face that way because no one will ask her out anyway. <laughs> That's true. She's like, uh, yeah. oh, I do do anyway. I don't. Uh. Stevie Nicks is single. Oh, uh, yeah. no, she's, uh, she's just saving face. You know, you know? we're going to go our own way. Yeah, That's fine. Put that out there first, and that way it looks looks. It looks. Everybody like understands she's why you're single for the rest of your life. Exactly. <laughs> See me. I mean, single single by choice. It's like me, single by choice. Single by choice. Yeah. Valentine's Day, and I'm single, and I'm. Happy as can be. All you love people out there, I said this during a friend's live feed today, all you love people out there, great, go, have at it, I love it. I've personally retired from the romance thing, but uh, y'all just have a great time, and I still believe in love, and I always will, so Stevie Nicks made me say that. 
<laughs> I saw the note, yeah. so it's it's good. Nick's fell in love with Joe Walsh. No, after he more eagles. Her, yes, after he whisked her away to Boulder, Colorado, and told her about his daughter on a jet. Maybe? I don't know if it was cranberry. Yeah. Let's check it out. Yeah. Um, Nick's once said, "Why do you love somebody? Why do you love them so much that when they walk in the room, your heart jumps out of your chest?" She said, "I don't know, but I felt it, and I fell in love with Joe Walsh at first sight from across the room." It went from 1983 to 1986. So she fell for him after a show in Denver. After hearing Nick's complaint about the tour's conditions, he took her to Boulder for the day and told her about the daughter he had with his second wife and that she perished in a car collision in 1974 when she was just three years old. Wow. Little Emma. So Walsh told Nix about Emma shortly after she left uh, Kim Anderson and his son Matthew, whom Nix had briefly tried to raise as her own. In response to his loss, she wrote, Has anyone ever written anything for you off her 1985 album Rock a Little? So that song is for Joe Walsh about his daughter. So again, now you got to go back and listen to this whole catalog. So it's very, very interesting. And that really brings us to the end of all the stories that I wanted to share. But I think it's very interesting how her love life is weaved throughout all of this music. You know, all of her music, music that is on her solo, music that is with Fleetwood Mac. Love is a powerful thing, but love can also be a very difficult thing when it comes to bands. I mean, you know, it's the whole Yoko Ono effect. It's all those kinds of things. But I thought the Stevie Nicks angle was interesting. I mean, she could really have caused that band to implode, you know, but they parlayed all of that anger into amazing music. Yeah. You know, and she had affairs with two eagles. (laughs) Two eagles, yeah. I mean. And and one of her own bandmates. Exactly. Two. Oh, well, yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah, that's true. To our knowledge, she did not sleep with either of the McVees. You know? uh, not that I'm aware not of. Not that we're aware of. I mean, of, it know? didn't come yeah. up in this particular yeah. article. But I thought it was very interesting and, and interesting to talk about how love is an inspirational uh, thing for music. And then it can also be difficult in bands. But in this case, it ended up being, you know, one of their most, well, definitely, I'm not going to even say arguably, their most famous album. The thing that really catapulted them was Rumors. So... Anyway, hopefully that was fun. Just a little bit of fascinating stories from Stevie Nicks' love life that affected the Eagles, <laughs> to yeah. some degree, yeah. and Fleetwood Mac, and her own solo stuff. So now, go back and listen to the catalogs, if you will, and you might hear them a little differently this time, but know that there's an undercurrent of love. That's how musicians do it out here in California. I mean, did she maybe have a thing with Jackson Brown? Is that possible, too? I, mean, I wonder. <laughs> I wonder. I wonder. Oh, you know what? I, I, I wish... You know oh, what? No. Oh, no, I didn't. Did I just open another can of worms here? <laughs> all right, all right. <laughs> well, but, um, hey, let us know if you know of any or other... Or maybe. <laughs> oh, my God. You could be right. There could be so many mm. more. Oh, now I'm going to be speculating. Mm. But the Mick one I did not see coming. No, and now I'm wondering about Mick Fleetwood and Christine McVie. <laughs> I have questions, too. Did they hey, have Coke and Brandy? Yeah, I mean, you know, she was single, and uh, who cares if John's ex-husband was in the band? That's ex-husband. You know, ex is the optimal... Ex uh, is the key. ...is the uh, key word here. I mean, and they would have been close enough, I mean, you right. know, but my apologies, I'm just going to say it, but Mick, not exactly a looker, so, you know. He is a very offbeat charm, I think. Charm is different than hotness. Yeah. Yeah. 
but yes, he's definitely got a charm for sure. You know, he was a guest star on his late 80s, early 90s, I forget which, television series called Wise Guy. Oh, and um, I know that series. Uh, yeah, yeah. Ken Wall, uh, Jonathan freaking Banks yes. from Breaking Bad. Come we on, Mike Ehrman Trout. Jonathan yes. Banks. This is where I first got to know Jonathan Banks. He was the FBI guy who was over this. And uh, Vinny, Vinny Terranova, he was a hey. nice Italian boy. He, uh, he, he was a fed who went in uh, prison for 18 months to establish his cover. And he went out and started working for all these mobs and trying to break up all these crime rings. And in one episode, it concerned the music business and corruption in the music business. The billionaire record label owner was Tim Curry. What? Yeah, yeah. Mick Fleetwood was a guest star. Wow. Glenn Fry was a regular that entire season. Uh, yeah, had Smuggler's Blues. Yeah, oh, yeah. Nice. Glenn Fry uh, and Tim Curry were regulars on that show. Um, also that season, Deborah Harry was a major part of the storyline, too. So it's fascinating to see all those music legends in this uh, show, crime show, playing musicians and uh, record people and so forth. And the Tim Curry part was funny because it was like, he's a billionaire. He owns a record label and everything. And he's like a frustrated singer. He wants to sing. And it's like, dude... You could absolutely suck, and you could still have an album if you own a record label, and he can sing his ass off, too. So he went ultimately went insane uh, for a number of reasons, So, but it was an interesting show. Uh, mm-hmm. Anyway, so yes, uh, you mentioned uh, what made me think of that. What random thing? Yes, you said you did it. You said something. Oh, Fleetwood. Mick Fleetwood was in a show about the music business, and it oh. involved uh, also more of the usual suspects, Glenn Fry, Eagles. You know, That's what made me think of it, because Got Fleetwood it. Mac and the Eagle tie-in. There's no Batman, Bond, Kiss, or Pat Boone tie-in, but there are other tie-ins. There, yeah, so. apparently I haven't watched all these shows, so... And Deborah Harry from Blondie, you know, and there's, of course, there's no such band that starts with a B if you listen to a recent episode of the show. It's like, all right, give me a hint on, on various songbirds. It's like, give me a hint. Um, B or M. It was, I think it was M at first. It was like, nobody has that name. There's no band like that. I'm like, all right. <laughs> okay. Well, well anyway. Really so random later. Random uh, aside about a television show that had to these people on it or sort of bandmates of these people uh mcfleetwood now if i ever see that show again i'd be like wow you and stevie nicks huh wow holy shit you can just <laughs> probably yeah you can just listen to rumors and you'll hear them on drums you'll be like really you and stevie that one night yeah right wow and we don't stuff. know if it was more than one night but that's alluded to one night well, that's so. your uh, salacious gossip for the week uh <laughs> Which we don't usually do, but I mean, there are interesting stories behind the music. There really are. That's a thing. That's and what it was all about is love and music and how it positively impacts, negatively impacts. And just, you know, love is an undercurrent in all these songs and love love affects everything. So on Valentine's Day, it seemed like a good thing. So why not talk about Fleetwood Mac and the various impact a love life uh, had on their music that we love? Yeah, so. there are a lot of uh, classic songs that have... Either uh, verified or attested to personal, romantic, emotional, driving impetuses, be impeti, be, <laughs> impeti behind them. <laughs> and uh, is that the plural of impetus? I don't know. <laughs> impeti behind them. Not to use impotent. Yeah. <laughs> behind them. Or uh, ones that are rumored about and gossiped about, which we don't care about, but verified ones like that. And there's a mm. lot of that. I mean, you know, you're so vain, et cetera, et cetera. So, uh, yeah, it is good to know these stories because of the merits of the song because yes. the music is so good because this is such a classic album. Those of us who have been around since 1976-7 have been listening to for uh, however many years that is, 45, whatever the hell. A lot. Yeah, a lot of years. <laughs> long time. Well, that we is We love it long all. time. We- oh, oh my. <laughs> I, sorry. My goodness. <laughs> well, 
getting crazy up in yep. here. And with that, we love you long time here at uh, Birds of a Feather's uh, Offshoot Winging It. And now that we've exhausted this topic in the best of ways, that only leaves for you to say. Let's fly this coop. <laughs> This has been Birds of a Feather on Fusion Music Radio.